I'm definitely deeply concerned and disappointed, I think, as many people are. Because, um, you know, what these, what these, like, the ramifications are, it's like the law is still the same. So, you know, it's technically, yes, the law is unchanged, but I think the part that concerns me the most is it discourages survivors to come forward and it doesn't make them feel supported. And it just makes things confusing because Title IX is already... It's it's confusing. Yeah, it's, it's like, already it's very diluted, and, and it's really hard to know like what your actual rights are. And then I think her rescinding the dear colleague letter and the implications from like the different Obama era policies just makes it even more murky, and I think difficult for survivors to navigate. Hey guys, I'm Caroline Simon, and I'm Ari Goldfein. And this is 1600 Pen, the DP's podcast about campus politics. Um, You just heard from Mackenzie Morrison. She is a sophomore who is the programming chair of abuse and sexual assault prevention at Penn. You heard her talking about Title IX, which is a law that was created in 1972 under the Nixon administration. And for some background, Title IX is a pretty broad law that has been interpreted differently by different presidential administrations. But I think it's pretty well known because of high school sports. I went to a relatively underfunded large public high school and I was on the girls basketball team and I was super aware that the only reason we continued to exist was because of Title IX protections. They said, you know, the law is a aimed at creating gender equality within schools, either higher, be that higher education or you know, secondary education. Um, so that has traditionally been applied to sports. Yeah. Um, so I, as somebody who is pretty ignorant of sports, um, have pretty much heard Title IX um, in conversation around sexual assault on college campuses, which is what Mackenzie was talking about. Right, right, right. Because in 2011, during the Obama administration in response to mounting pressure from activists and also, you know, increased stories about the sheer volume of sexual assaults that were happening on campuses, the Obama administration pens this Dear Colleague letter, which specifies that Title IX is to be applied to sexual assault prevention. Mm -hmm. And kind of the rationale behind that was that if you're a student on a college campus, um, you don't have access to equal education if you're facing harassment or assault. Um, And so the letter was just kind of saying that schools have the responsibility to protect their students from this kind of, um, you know, any 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 kinds of crimes in this category um, is part of their responsibility to um, protect equal education. Right, because if you're a student and you're facing sexual harassment or sexual assault, you have a harder time graduating. You have a harder time with your studies. So there's, if people are experiencing such high volumes of violence, it's hard to ensure gender equality in education. Yeah. Um, so kind of going into the specific changes themselves that um, the Department of Education outlined in the letter, um, they said that schools should disseminate a notion of discrimination to the campus community, which basically means outlining the fact that um, sexual harassment and sexual assault fall under the types of crimes that would compromise equality on campuses. Um, they told schools to designate an employee to manage Title IX activities, so making sure that um, investigations happen, that students have somewhere to report. Um, and also adopting and publishing grievance procedures for complaints. So if you're a student and you have a complaint against another student or a faculty member or anything like that, you know where you can make that complaint to make sure that it's handled by the administration. Right. So this is something the Obama administration did. And then fast forward to everyone's favorite month, (laughs) November 2016, with the election of President Donald J. Trump. Um, One of Donald Trump's more controversial moves during the transition period, so that's November of 2016 until his inauguration, was the nomination of Betsy DeVos, who is a conservative education activist slash bajillionaire Republican donor, um, to the 
um, role of Secretary of Education. And basically, she had a different philosophy on how these guidelines should be interpreted and implemented. Yeah, um, and just for some background, um, lots of Republicans and conservatives in general had a problem with Obama's um, federal guidelines because they they thought that um, they didn't properly protect students who were being accused of sexual misconduct. Um, they argued that they didn't provide due process, um, and they and you know they weren't fairly treating those students, and they were kind of biased towards um, students who were making the accusations. Right. So a few months into the administration, Betsy DeVos announced changes to the Obama era guidelines. Yeah, late September. Late September, and basically, the changes. Yeah. So th- they were interim guidelines. So they were basically just saying that um, until we kind of, you know, make any concrete policy, these are this is what schools should be doing. Right. And they changed the standard for punishing sexual violence from a preponderance of evidence standard to a clear and convincing evidence standard, which to someone who hasn't been trained in law may sound like the same thing, but essentially she raised the standard necessary to punish someone for sexual violence. Additionally, she changed the ruling, she changed the guidelines so there was no fixed time frame under which a school must complete the Title IX investigation. So essentially, if a freshman were to pro- report a Title IX violation, you know, that freshman may have graduated by the time they see mm-hmm. the results of that investigation. Um, and I actually trolled C-SPAN for a little bit and found the old clip of our senator, Pennsylvania Senator Bob Casey, um, at his hearing with um, Betsy DeVos before she was confirmed as Secretary of Education, talking about her beliefs um, regarding Title IX. I agree with the guidance, so um, I'm just asking for a yes or no. I guess you're not going to give me a yes or no answer on committing to upholding that guidance. It would be premature for me to do that today. So the clip you just heard hints at two kinds of variations in the criticisms of these Obama-era Title IX guidelines. The first of which criticizes the process, but not the idea of the guidelines, and the second of which rejects the entire concept. Yeah, so in terms of process, um, critics really have an issue with the fact that, um, in their eyes, the standard of evidence, the preponderance of evidence, which is the lesser standard that Ari talked about earlier, doesn't secure due process for the accused student. Um, And they also kind of take issue with the role of the people who are adjudicating these cases. So oftentimes it's a hearing panel, which includes professors, staff members, they're not necessarily trained on the same level that people involved in criminal proceedings might be, and it's all just a bit more informal than what would happen in a court of law. Um, and in terms of the idea behind changes, which is kind of related, um, critics say that schools shouldn't even be involved in adjudicating crimes um, like rape, which are also adjudicated in, in criminal proceedings, um, that these things should just be taking place outside of schools and in courts. The, the institution has an obligation to help the victim report the incident to law enforcement, including helping her get a protective order, among other uh, things that the school has to do. So that's what the law is now, based upon uh, my bill. The fall of 2015, this went into effect uh, across the country. There's an organization called the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. They support a bill that would uh, totally change that. They would force a victim to go to police departments to report, and they would uh, change the standard of evidence. Would you commit, as Secretary of Education, to retaining the standard of evidence that is currently the law? 
Well, Senator, let me just say my mom's heart uh, is really piqued on this issue. Uh, assault in any form is never okay. And uh, I just want to be very clear on that. And so if confirmed, I look forward to understanding the past actions and the current situation better and to ensuring that um, the intent of the law is actually carried out in a way that is, the organization that, is, that recognizes um, both the the uh, victim, the the rights of the victims, as well as those who are uh, accused the, as well, and and that the uh, I'm out of time, but let me just the, the organization that has that position, which is contrary to the law, current law, <clears throat> and contrary to the spirit of what we try to do in that piece of legislation, is a recipient of donations from you totaling about 25,000 bucks over four years. I hope, I hope that's not a conflict of interest, but I would hope that you would make a definitive commitment as a nominee to enforce the law as it relates to sexual assault on college campuses. And I'll send you more questions about it. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Senator Casey. Senator Paul. So, like other schools, Penn adopted these guidelines in 2011. Um, they've definitely taken some time to really look at how they're adjudicating these cases and institute in new ways. Um, we have a Title IX coordinator, his name is Sam Stark. Um, there's a whole process if you want to report um, a crime of sexual misconduct. Um, but in terms of how things are going to change at Penn um, in light of Betsy DeVos's announcement, it's kind of unclear. Um, you know, I talked to Mackenzie about this and she, you know, wasn't necessarily clear on what was going to happen. Administrators did tell her that they're not planning on changing the burden of proof um, from preponderance to clear and convincing. Right. So to clarify the DeVos guidelines, the shift from the Obama to DeVos guidelines is that Obama guidelines require that the standard be preponderance, whereas Betsy DeVos said it's, yeah, up, to, it's yeah. up to the college themselves. So the college can choose whether or not to keep that lower standard or raise the standard of evidence. Yeah. Um, but even so, there really hasn't been a ton of conversation about this, about the rollbacks. Um, Penn hasn't made any kind of statement, um, but here's, here's what Mackenzie had to say. They haven't said that they're not going to continue doing it, okay. and I've met yeah. with a couple of people from PVP, Penn Violence Prevention, and to ask them, do you think that, you're, are you concerned about this happening? And um, everyone in that office has said, no, we're not concerned, but that's also partially why I think we need to be very aware and listening, because we don't think that's going to happen right now, but What's also been concerning to me is that there hasn't been a lot of conversation surrounding the Thai Liner of X on Penn's campus, and so I feel like it's something we need to pay more attention to so that something like that doesn't happen. Um, so I think, as of now, that's a good thing that they're doing, but I also think, and what I wish that they would do is release some sort of statement that this, like you said, like this is what we're gonna continue to do, and we're gonna continue to keep these policies how they are with specific to Penn, um, and like regardless of what as Bose is saying, then we're still going to continue to keep our policies the same. So I also talked to Ariana Martino. Um, she's a senior who's involved in the B-Day movement as a producer. And she kind of talks about how not just the legal ramifications of this shift in guidelines is significant, but also the cultural ramifications of either the blurriness of guidelines or the shift itself. Even within like any one anti-violence group, or especially all of the anti-violence community at Penn, there's definitely a very wide range of opinions about like how Title IX should work and what like the best processes could be, um, or like what the strengths are and what the weaknesses are. Um, I definitely do think that DeVos's suggestions are much more of a weakness, especially because they encourage very difficult rhetoric 
around what the true issues of campus sexual violence look like, especially the very heavy emphasis on like people who have been so-called wrongly accused, as opposed to survivors who historically have always been assumed to be lying or assumed to be misinformed or unreliable witnesses. Um, even if people never have any contact with the Title IX system at all in their life, either it just isn't relevant to them or they decide for whatever personal reasons that it's just not the right choice for them, um, that rhetoric is still going to be damaging because we're sort of constantly reinforcing this narrative that like, oh, the people we really have to look out for are these poor college men who are constantly being lambasted by false accusations, which if you spend any time on a college campus, you know is not the case. So what can Penn actually do? Um, it definitely is notable that Penn hasn't released any kind of statement about their plans in terms of Title IX guidelines and whether they're going to change them. Notable is a kind word for, for bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Penn definitely has a bit of a weird relationship with making political statements. Um, in the past year, they've chosen to make statements um, after Trump announced his travel ban in January um, and also um, the DACA repeal in September. They um, also had a statement about the you know, coming out against the most recent Republican tax plan, but I think that was more geared towards its impact on graduate students. Mm -hmm. But there's been no statement on these Title IX rollbacks. Yeah, so basically they have made statements on some issues that affect students and not others, um, and people in the advocacy community really have a problem with the fact that they haven't come out and said, we're committed to maintaining these Obama-era federal guidelines, even though we're not, we're not mandated to. Right, because as Mackenzie and Ariana make clear, part of the significance of these guidelines is not just the legal significance, but the emotional significance and the cultural significance for survivors. I've been trying to figure that a little figure that out a little bit too. You know, at first I was like, okay, well maybe you know there was DACA, there was disaster, natural disasters, and there was all these things going on. But I think now it's at the point where we like it's there's been a little you know, the dust has settled with a few of those things and this is continuing to be an issue that's highlighted um, and like obviously so prominent because Betsy DeVos did officially rescind um, or do through the Department of Education rescinded those guidelines. So I think, I don't know, I'm not sure what Penn's like <laughs> official stance is if they're like yeah. not wanting to weigh in on the politics of this, if they think that they're too invested in other po political happenings, but I think it is concerning that they haven't said anything about it. Ariana also talked about how she really wants the administration to be transparent in terms of their plans. I definitely think like transparency is going to be key in terms of like um, a lot of people even before uh, DeVos's rollbacks were not always like 100% clear on what Penn's policies were, what the process looked like, where you're supposed to go if you want to report something or like what your different reporting options look like. Um, and I think now that policies are changing so rapidly that transparency is going to be all the more important so that people don't get discouraged from filing reports or going to the board's resources mm -hmm. just because they don't know what resources are still available to them. Yeah. Um, and I do think like elements of honesty in terms of like this is what we could do before, this is how these guidelines have affected us, like this is realistically what the path will look like for you going forward. Mm -hmm. um, I think just that transparency will encourage more people to come forward. So none of us really know what exactly the future looks like. Um, it's not clear what exactly Penn's going to do with regard to Title, to title IX policy. Um, so I asked Mackenzie what she thinks we should be doing um, to make sure that we're continuing to, to address this issue um, as effectively as possible. Um, and in addition to holding the administration accountable, she really wants to make sure that we hold each other accountable to make sure that we continue the conversation and make sure that everybody um, continues to feel safe and that they can pursue their education on this campus. 
Well, I think, like we said, yes. The main thing is, like, making a statement, a public statement of support, I think. Also, you know, I think something that, like, students can do, too, is, again, just making sure we're, like, kind of ears to the ground and are aware of what's going on and whether that means, like, circulating petitions to alumni saying, like, we want these Title IX guidelines to stay exactly how they are, circulating student student petitions, having conversations like these. Mm-hmm. Um, I think doing things to, like, make sure we're holding the administration accountable so that they are continuing to, like, meet these needs um, is something that I think is important. It's, it's really about, it's really about a shift in culture. I mean, you can see the Me Too movement on online, you, you see the firings of so many executives with mm-hmm. histories of sexual misconduct or sexual really assault. Or, yeah, it's a sh- well, we have to hope it's a shift and make it it's a shift because you know my fear is that it's just a culling of the worst offenders, but isn't going to com- like really change the fundamental way we think about these problems. Yeah. You know, we can't just be like trimming the leaves. We have to get get rid of the root of these problems. Yeah. And in addition to kind of watching everything play out on the national stage, we also have to, you know, take a look at our own canvas and our own lives and, you know, make sure we're continuing to think about these issues as they apply to us specifically too. I think, I mean, again, I think the biggest thing is like the implications it has on culture, right? Because if we're trying to fight against rape culture, but this is coming out on a national level and saying, oh, well, we're going to one, we're going to increase the burden of proof, and we're going to rescind these Obama era policies. It sends the message, message again that you know we're not supporting survivors, and that's already such a difficult thing for a survivor to come forward and try to you know advocate for him or herself. And so I think that's probably our biggest concern is just mm-hmm. again like making sure that we're with our initiatives, like we're continuing to spread awareness and engage people in education and holding like our own community accountable for coming to the things that they're supposed to come to and kind of like meeting the guidelines that we have within Penn mm-hmm. um, to educate ourselves and like preventing being an active bystander and I think all of those things, continuing all those conversations and probably ramping them up. Thank you for listening to this episode of 1600 Penn. I'm Caroline Simon. And I'm Ari Goldstein. The music was provided by Andrew Ellis. Joyce Farmer was our producer. And we'd like to thank the DP and everyone who contributed to this podcast.